looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by Northeastern by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want to host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. You drive me wild. <laughs> what up, Crazy Train Radio? You look like hell. And I could look the same. What's the photo for? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Truth, 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 I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. I'm one crazy new Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order your specific custom mask from any of the films. All orders are made specifically. Your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. This is Paige Joy, the director of Fred Heads the Documentary. This is Kim Gunzinger, co-director and producer of Fred Heads the Documentary, and you are listening to Crazy Train Radio. Hey folks, it's your least favorite host in the podcast world, Croc. 
Jonathan Steele. And boy, do we have a good one for you today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. And right now on this call, you might have three of the biggest kids, depending on your line of interest. But but I think if you're listening at this point, your interest is pretty high. But every fan has a story, no matter what the topic is. So question is, what is yours? Anyway, Nightmare on Elm Street has become a pop culture phenomenon that has given eternal life to some burnt, crispy motherfucker. Excuse me for saying this, ladies. Some guy named Freddy Krueger. However, this new documentary we are going to talk about tonight is called Fred Hits, the documentary. And it was produced by four women. Let's go ahead and welcome two of them right now. I'll just call her Kim G because I don't feel like butchering names. And you've heard this other one before with us, Miss Paige Joy. Ladies, how you doing this evening? Good, good. Thank well, you for having me on. And glad we can get this together because everybody's got busy schedules and such. So, obviously, we're going to do pre-Fred Heads. Fred Heads, obviously, we're going to bounce around a little bit, but I think it's appropriate to say, and I can't remember the date, I do know it's September, you guys are going to debut the documentary at Horror Hounds out in Ohio. So, how are we feeling about this? Paige? Um, I'm excited. I can't wait. I think it's going to be fun. We're premiering uh, September 11th at 1.30 p.m. at Horror Hounds Cincinnati. Um, and I'm just excited for people to get to see it. I, I feel like we've talked about it for five years, and I'm just really excited to watch this with an audience. Kim and I are going to sit in the back of the room and watch all the reactions, <laughs> and I just, I can't wait. Yeah, we, we definitely have seen this movie a few times doing the editing so <laughs> i'm not so much you know excited to see the movie itself as i am you know just being able to share it with the world it, it's definitely been a journey we did not expect it to take five years that's for sure <laughs> but yeah. we're glad that we took the time to to do it justice well this is my first interaction with kim so i can't say i've seen social media posts and stuff from her directly but i can say i've dealt with Paige on and off for a few years facebook friends all that fun stuff and i know you guys were editing for at least a year and a half mm -hmm. towards the second half of lockdown and stuff and i say this respectfully that i know Paige was at times pulling her hair out <laughs> figuratively trying to fix edits and all this stuff and i haven't done a documentary but i could say i'm at that moment and probably why i got a migraine for this week i've had you know i think this is show number seven in two days that i've taped oh wow so, yeah any and they range anywhere from 25 minutes to an hour like last night when we're me and Paige were talking about viewing of the documentary because I had some 
issues, no sweat. I was actually talking to Adrian Barbro at the time. So I was like, I was like, it's been a juggling act. So my bad. Yeah, Adrian's the sweetest. I'm sure you guys have met her besides non-nightmare. Yeah, a few times. Actually, The Fog was uh my first horror movie ever. So um it has a special place in my heart as Adrian does. <laughs> yes. And of course it's but back to Fred Heads. I gotta keep on track. It's um I'm ready for a beer, but probably not a good idea. So first and foremost, I want to get into pre-Fred hits. So Kim and Paige, from what I understand, you both met in like 2013, 2014, through the love of A Nightmare on Elm Street and all things Mm -hmm. horror. Which convention was it and where did you guys connect and hook up? Uh, so we met at Days of the Dead for five minutes, and it was like we were crossing paths. We were, she was um, rooming with Deandra and another friend of ours, and I was rooming in a different room, and we just crossed paths. It wasn't really until we would see each other here and there at like conventions and stuff like that. And the big nightmare convention, we were there and hung out and all that stuff. But it really wasn't until we made our first film. We made a fan film called Don't Fall Asleep. And um, on that film, we brought Kim aboard as a producer. And essentially, Kim did, like, everything (laughs) on the, like, the shoot the day of. And I just, we just formed, like, a, a really good, like, connect. Like, you know, like, when two people meet and you just know, like, oh, they're supposed to be friends. That just kind of how it was between us and that was in 2015 or 16 and 16 yeah and so it's just we've just been close ever since yeah yeah I got sorry go ahead Kim oh no I was just gonna to add to that yeah I mean we we you know met at conventions we saw each other here and there but it was always just in passing oh hey it's good to see you you know get some pictures um and it was the 2015 convention at Horror Hound um, with, you know, Wes's passing. And um, I was actually in the room when Paige and DeAndra, another friend, were talking about doing a fan film. And I just told him, hey, any help you need, I'd love to be a part of it. So I didn't get brought on, I didn't get brought onto the project right away. I got brought on a little bit further down the line. They called me in and it was just an absolute pleasure to work with Paige. And it, from that point on, you know, we were like, let's, let's do another thing. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah we wrote we went we wrote the script and then after we wrote the script we're like okay how do we make this and everyone's like well kim has really good experience she's been on like film sets before <laughs> so we're like all right kim we got the script ready it's like your turn come on in come help us it's just been this way ever since and i remember the conversation in regards to fred heads like i i just to me, there is nobody I could have done this without as like a partner on this project, especially the other two girls. Like we're a team. We, we say that we're a team, we're a unit. And but just at that time when I I couldn't imagine doing this project without Kim, Deandra, and then when eventually Crystal came on, it's, you know, so it's our friendship. Well, I got to ask, and she's also a friend of the show and helped me out with uh, helping a fan of the show out uh, with something, I guess, a couple months ago. Uh, Deandra, so how did how does she fit into this? Uh, obviously, I know she's a producer and stuff, but how did where did you guys connect with her? Because she's truly one of the best ladies that I could think of. When yeah, you know, she's just a good hearted 
person, you know? Uh, I met DeAndre when she was 15. And she and I were in a forum called the Nightmare on Elm Street Films.com. <clears throat> and we were the only two girls in the entire forum. And I didn't know how old she was. <laughs> and so we were in this room with like all these like, like horror fans and stuff like that. And when I found out how old she was, I was like, oh, I'm scooping you up. Like you're my, like my little sister now. Like I just, we, so we just formed a friendship from there. Um, and we've been friends ever since. Like we're, she's one of my best friends. So we're just, you know, but then Kim. Yeah, I met DeAndra actually not through the horror, I guess, circuit, as you could say, online or convention. Um, I was doing a local play in Akron, Ohio. And one of my co-stars, um, Emily, grew up with Deandra. So, you know, of course, my passion for horror comes out everywhere. <laughs> you. So I was talking a lot about, you know, my love for horror. And Emily was like, you should meet my best friend because she loves all this horror stuff. And we just, you know, linked up. And after, I think, a, a year or so talking just, you know, on Facebook, internet, whatever, um, Motor City Nightmares was coming up and Deandra was like, I'm going, do you want to go? You, you can room with us. So by the time I actually like met her in person, we were literally on our way to go to a convention together. So, um, but it was comfortable because there had been like a year talking, you know, and she knew I wasn't some crazy person. I knew she wasn't some crazy, <laughs> relatively speaking. <laughs> and then of course, you know, through... Deandra is how I met Paige and mm-hmm. um, Anthony and some of the other characters. So, yeah, and I'm going to be nice. Deandra is not crazy, folks. We, no, <laughs> <laughs> no I think Kim was talking about all of us being crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, like, we all have a little crazy. She, she is not oh, crazy. A little bad sometimes. No. <laughs> no. That, that's when booze are involved. And no, we won't go there. Uh, but, but, no, yeah. So, yeah, she yeah. Uh, she's the she's and for those who may or may not know Yiddish, I would call her a mensch. And to translate, that is a person of integrity. So yeah, she's one of the few that I know. She's I, I say that's why even adding Crystal into the mix, I say that's why the four of us are friends and as well as partners in this in this project. But I'd say that's why we're friends because all of us have that that integrity that we're we're we just connect. I don't know. I don't know how else to say it, but yeah, D is she's she's a real one. Yeah, exactly. And that's what got me started. Yeah, like was introduced to her i think it, i can't remember if it was mick strong or somebody said you should benson nick benson one i can't remember you know because it's funny it's such a tight community mm-hmm. but it seems like a vast community but it's a tight community too especially the not elm street family right. and somebody said that one of them or maybe lisa wilcox somebody i can't remember who so i'm not gonna keep throwing names out said <laughs> They said, check with D. D is legit. She's the real deal. And then through there, I got connected with Paige. And here we go. You know, you just go down the line. So, mm-hmm. but when it comes to production and you guys had the experience of don't fall asleep and such. So what did we look at? Because I've seen, I'd say about half of it because of how busy I've been the past couple of days or a week or so. 
and prepping, but production wise of fretheads. So how did we put this together? Because as many Elm Street fans know, there is the it's been it's a series that's been talked about a lot, but obviously I am thinking of Never Sleep Again that came out, what was it, 2010, 2011, something like that, with, like, Mike Perez and uh, mm-hmm. Heather, and, you know, they there was this big conglomerate to put that huge documentary together as far as the films. So how would you say you guys came up with the concept of Fred Heads? Um, we knew that we wanted to do another project after Don't Fall Asleep. And we were tossing around a few things, a few ideas. We weren't really sure what we were going to do. And I watched another documentary on fandom. Um, I don't know if it was like on Netflix or something. And we had like kicked around the idea of like, of like filming some of our friends and their like collections and like their basements. And, um, you know, Kim's got some like family members who have some like really dope shit. And so we like, we're like, let's film them. Let's, we were kicking around some ideas. And then I watched this documentary and it was about fandom. And I, I just said to them, I was like, why do like we not have our own documentary? Like why is there not a Nightmare on Elm Street documentary on the fans? Like they, we have the Never Sleep Again documentary. We have I Am Nancy, you know, we've got Scream Queens is in development, you know, about Mark Patton. And at that time it was in development. And I was like, why? I feel like nobody is like focused on the fans and the stories. Like we travel to these conventions all around the country and we've connected and become friends. And we, we are, we hear how this film has changed everybody's lives and impacted these lives. Why are we not doing this? And Kim's like, why aren't we doing it? Let's do it. Mm-hmm. And so we were like, all right, we had no clue what we were doing. We didn't know what we were going to be filming or who we were going to be interviewing. And it started with Jeremy uh, Todd Moorhead and we filmed him in his basement. And that from there sparked the idea that, okay, maybe we can do this. Yeah. And we, we knew, you know, we wanted to film, you know, at conventions specifically because that's how we all specifically met and we're all brought together. Um, You know, so we tried to get, a lot of different conventions that we could go to. So it was not just like one here in the Midwest or, you know, we tried to branch out, um, but we wanted to open submissions online. Um, we came up with, you know, some questions and some guidelines and we opened it to fans, which we wanted to do that because we knew we weren't physically going to be able to, you know, travel to England, to Ireland, to Japan, to Italy, to, you know, all these places we know just through online communities that there are nightmare fans. So we wanted to really open that up as well and get as many voices as we could. And I have to say that we were the first documentary to do that. Like ever. We were the first documentary to open submissions to fans to submit their story worldwide. Nobody had done that yet. Um, And I think that that was kind of like a game changer for us. And I think that fans really appreciated that because when we first announced, we didn't necessarily say that's what we were gonna do. And we were getting bombarded with, how can I be a part of this? How can I be a part of this? And we're like, hang on, hang on. And once we announced it, they were relieved because, and they wanted to then share their story, which came out through in the footage, which they were more comfortable and natural in their in their submissions. And so I love, I love the story of how our, our documentary came. Well, 
from what my take of what I've seen with this is there is three parts to this. You have the taking a show on a road, essentially, which I want to get more in depth with at conventions. You have the virtual side, the online submissions that you just mentioned, but also during this uh, documentary, you have the roundtable discussion where it's the two of you, Anthony is who I'm thinking of, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, DeAndra, and there's another gentleman. Jeremy. Who, thank you, sitting on the end. So you have three different yeah, components to this. But the first one being the doing the conventions and such. So how did you guys approach doing the conventions? Because some of the footage I see, you guys actually got a booth at the convention. I'm not sure which one it was. So how did you guys do this as far as we're going to get a fan booth or a vendor booth, as you would call it? Or how was the approach to that side of things? Kevin, do you want to or do you want me to? Um, no, I, I, I'll try. I, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> so we, we did, um, we did get a booth, um, at Horror Hound and that was, um, what, 2018? Yeah, 18. I think. Okay. Sorry. All the years. We've been to so many. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did get a booth there. Um, and we wanted to do that because we, we found it was a lot easier, um, than just showing up at a convention. So all the conventions we ever went to, we reached out to the people, we got permission. We told them our purpose. You know, we were not there to disturb the celebrities and their fans. That was we had to make that very clear. Mm-hmm. We want to capture the magic between the celebrities and the fans, you know, from afar. Um, but we also found, you know, it's just it was a lot easier to be a little bit more stationary. And at Horror Hound, it was a lot of fun because we actually built or Paige, I should say, built a boiler room. And we had one of our, our close friends um, dress up as Freddie, the cosplayed. And, you know, fans could come up and get pictures with Freddie at the boiler room. So it kind of brought it a little bit more on a um, personal level, I, I would like to say, than just, you know, come to our table and stand in front of it and we'll film you. We wanted right. to have a little bit more fun with it. All right, I got to jump in before Paige does here because you bring up yeah. the... With the Freddy, is this? And I hope I'm not totally spoiling this. And I know I'll get a message for this one too. Is this the Freddy that signed a gym? Who's a, another mutual acquaintance of the show? Uh, Jim Martin. Is, no, no, no. But Jim Martin is in our documentary. But no, this yeah. was this was William Adams. Okay, yeah. No, I was looking at the Freddy that signed the gym for his birthday. Oh yeah, yeah, same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was at the event. That was actually at the event. We had what we what we initially did is was we did a trial run at a convention in the Midwest, and we kind of learned our bearings of like what we wanted to do and what we didn't want to do at a convention. And when we rebranded and we rehauled after Scarefest, we got a bunch of um, fan submissions at Scarefest. We had a table. Um, like a confessional, they came and like told their story, and we asked them their questions. Um, we got like our bearings and realized like, okay, if we're going to do this and we're going to, we're going to film at a convention, we need a real cinematographer with, you know, who has done this. And so we brought on um, Larry Dubow and his 
work is just amazing. And what he caught at that convention, just the most genuine moments, like the, the wishing him a happy birthday. And it just, I don't know. I love that moment with, with Jim and William. That's probably one of my favorite moments. Yeah. yeah. And it, the first time we had all met Jim in person. So it was, it was a little bit, again, more personal because, you know, this is somebody you see online, somebody we've communicated with over the, you know, countless years, but it was the first time we actually got to like meet him in person. So that yeah, was like his kids did promo work for us and stuff. And we had never even like met him in person yet. <laughs> and then we finally met him and it was so, it was great. Now we get yeah. Christmas parts from Jim. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jim's great. I love Jim. Yeah, he's, he, he's not, uh, at least in the clip, he's not the most, it's like, had that look like you sons of bitches. Mm-hmm. You got me. You got me. Oh, we, and that was weeks. That was that was weeks of planning. We were like his, like I was communicating with his wife and his wife's um, their other. They have a best friend. She was with them. I was communicating with them. We were like strategically planning like times, like and, and we mm-hmm. ran into him before. We were trying to not run into him, and so we ran into him before. It happened and I was like, oh shit. Okay. So we have to to circle back and make sure that we have like everything planned. It was such a it was a fun thing to do. It was a fun surprise to like surprise him with that. Exactly. And I mentioned jokingly about the year and a half of editing. Mm-hmm. And the good thing, I guess that's the good thing about COVID, mm-hmm. about being locked down for a long time that we were. Yeah. Not, I'm not making light of the actual health stuff, but on the other hand, with that lockdown of COVID and such, how did that affect production, trying to wrap everything? So, unfortunately, um, the positive of it is that we were able to edit the documentary and it gave us the time and freedom to really, you know, Kim works from home and I, I lost my position because of the COVID situation. And so it really gave us time that there were nights that she was here sometimes for like a week straight where we would just like work and work and work. Um, but there's a, unfortunately a lot of stuff that we couldn't get because of COVID. We had interviews lined up in LA, um, like last minute final wrap ups that we were we were saving for the end. And um, we unfortunately couldn't do those interviews because there was a, a restriction on you know travel. And so we decided to take a look at all the footage of what we had and um, really create a narrative of what we what we have and that's the fans and their story. And so the editing aspect of it was very, very long nights um, and exhausting, but it was fun. And we really, I feel like together learned this whole process. And I would say our style, like him and I feel like have morphed into a a style of editing and creation. And I feel like we got to really learn that during the pandemic. Yeah. We also, one of the things I loved about the editing process is, you know, as Paige said, I was there for days sometimes and we just edit for hours. I think the longest session we did was like 15 or 16 hours. But, you know, it also sparked a lot of creativity out of the both of us, you know, just like, I wish we could do this. And Paige's like, I know exactly how to do that, you know? And it, I I definitely feel, and, and also, 
one thing Paige didn't mention when COVID hit, I was living in Ohio pre COVID. And when COVID hit, I decided I wanted to be closer to my family in Virginia. So I actually moved back to Virginia, which gave us a lot more time to mm-hmm. really sit with each other and, and knock it out of the park. So, um, but I love that creativity process that we had, you know, just coming up with ideas and feeding off each other. It was, it was hard, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was worth it. And I feel like the the reward of it is what we have now. <laughs> I know Kim has a similar background to DeAndre in terms of growing up with a religious background and mom and dad maybe not having a open mindset when it comes to horror and things like that. But the funny part about that is... Kim's mom was interviewed for the documentary as well, which I found kind of cool. So, and I know Paige, since we last talked, you got married. So Mazel Tov to that. So what does everybody's families think of you guys spending the past four years or so putting this documentary together? (laughs) My mom is keeping me out of trouble. No. (laughs) I did hear that. Yes. (laughs) No, I think, um, you know, when it comes to my, my mom and not so much my, my, my dad specifically, we couldn't get him on film as much as we wanted. Um, She doesn't understand it, but at the same time, you know, I think she thinks there's worse things I could be doing. And I think she recognizes that passion in me. Um, They've been very supportive. Both my parents, they've been great. Uh, My brother has been amazing as well. And um, it, it feels good to be able to, I, I guess, kind of take that that little bit of madness that I have and say, you know, look, it's not, I'm not just crazy, but, you know, this is something I really feel, I've always felt, and look look what I can do, right? <laughs> so um, I, I would like to think that they're proud, so. <laughs> I can, they're proud. <laughs> they're very proud of you. I can tell they're very proud of you. I, my family, I, I am, I mean, they're proud, like, they're, my family is different, like, my family loves horror, like, my, my, my dad, like, loves horror, like, my dad thinks it's, like, super cool, you know, he just is, like, wow, my kid made a film, you know, and my mom, you know, she loves it, but they did not want to be on camera, (laughs) they, they both were, like, no, we're good, but my, my brother's in it, and, um, he is just like they're they're blown away like everybody everybody i think in our lives who has like seen it or has like witnessed the the struggle that like kim and i have gone through to complete this um i think everybody's just kind of impressed and blown away that that's what we can do at well, least how about, well how about hubby because he's in like what do you call that ground zero of mm-hmm. watching you some of those 13, 14, 15 hour sessions of editing. Yeah. So did we he put, ever have to grab you and go, hey, like snap you out of it? Uh, him and Kim had to. Both him and Kim have had to many times. Um, there would be times that he would come home from work and I would be editing and then he would go to bed and then get up for work and I'd still be editing. And he would like beg me, please get sleep. Like you need to get some sleep. And I'd be like at this desk and this computer I'd be like, no, I need to keep editing. Um, but uh no, he was he's very supportive. It you know why? 
him to work. Yeah, we put him to work. He's worked on the documentary too. He's done he's done sound, he's done audio, he's done video. Uh, he's been like a production assistant. He's been like a wrangler. Uh, he's done like, he's been a driver. Like he's done everything. I, he, his, by trade, he's a composer. And that, that's how I met him. He was Kim's guy, best friend. And so um, he, so he understands the, the film process as well. Cause he composed uh, Easter Sunday. And so he under, he understands, he understands the, the world that it yeah. is, but he's very supportive. Yeah, it sounds like he, there there were times he'd have to grab you, throw you in a shower, get to bed, you know. Come on, you have to function normally, you know. Like Kim would Kim would drive over just to give me like medicine or something. So I'm like, I'm in so much pain. She's like, Okay, I'll bring you this, I'll bring you that. She's like, I'll bring you a heating pad, <laughs> like you know, like every and and he was very much like get sleep, like because I wasn't sleeping, I was editing and I loved it. When you love something so much and you are so excited to show it to the world, you just put your entire heart and like soul into it. And I think that that's particularly what Kim and I were doing is, and that's why our editing sessions were so long because that energy of vibing and feeling off of each other, like, oh, let's do this or, oh, we can do that. Well, what if we take this out or what if we move this around? You don't want to lose that momentum mm -hmm. and you don't want to lose that excitement this is what's going to make this work, this section work. And then we would just work straight through. And so a lot of times that's how I was working. I'd be in the office and I would be texting opinions of Deandra or Crystal or Kim. And I'd be like, what do you guys think of this? What do you guys think of that? And they'd tell me an idea and then they go to bed and I'd work all night on the idea until the morning. So with the gathering of all these stories from fans and I know you spoke to a couple of the stars of the franchise and such. Was there a particular story that really surprised you? Kim, do you I, have one? I would say, I don't know if surprise would be the right word. There were a few, um, there were a few submissions that definitely pulled a little bit more on the heartstrings than others. Um, I, I mean, there, it, it, it I can't, I don't want to give too much away or, you know, anything like that, but there's also those, those moments where you're just watching somebody's story and the way they're articulating things and the way even like making certain jokes, you're just like, that's it. That's exactly what I'm trying. I want to put, that's what I want to say. Um, so yeah. And I don't want to give too much away from what was submitted and what made it and what didn't make it. Unfortunately, we could not use everything that was submitted or anything even the footage that we shot we couldn't use everything um but there were definitely some stories that pulled on the heartstrings a little bit more that we definitely wanted to showcase um because we felt that it it was needed mm -hmm. for sure i agree and you know it's funny from a uh, celebrity aspect of this in terms of people from within the franchise and I actually just heard Patrice mention this and also, and I know I could say this publicly, uh, Toy Newkirk mm -hmm. as well, when I was texting back and forth at their, our interview and such, because she had, we, I asked a question about Never Sleep Again. Mm -hmm. And she was like, oh, I thought it was just going to be a small little documentary and stuff, Toy at least. 
not Miss Bobble, but both of them told me it was they were surprised in how much the fandom is for this franchise. Mm-hmm. So was there anybody in particular associated with the franchise that you guys really dug deep into talking with about this project and getting advice and all that stuff? Um, as far as getting advice, anything, um, any kind of, I, I was going to say, cause I feel like, I feel like they've all given us great advice on um, the, the nightmare stars and people who have been on the teams uh, like Mick Strawn and Nick Benson and all of them. I feel like they all are just incredibly gracious with their time. And we're, extremely cognitive of that we don't ever want to take up too much of their time and stuff so when we did we did some of their interviews um like we like toy newkirk is in our documentary Mm -hmm. and i there i don't really know i don't want to give too much away but i feel like when we delved into the conversation with them all of them every single one of them went into it thinking like oh cool we're gonna talk redheads blah, blah 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 and then we asked them how has this franchise and how has this fandom and the fans impacted your life because you're in it instead of being like, what was it like to get the role? What was your, what was your thought on your first day of filming? We asked them what the community and the fans, how they, and it flipped them and we got really raw, mm-hmm. honest answers from them. And I think we don't focus on the, the celebrities as much in this documentary, but I think what we sprinkle in, I think the fans are going to feel good about it. Particularly, I think when they hear how like Toy Newkirk or Andros Jones, you know, or even Lisa Wilcox, like how they're there or Tuesday, like how they're, their affinity and love for the community and the people who like come to them and tell them that they're important and all this stuff. I, I think the fans are going to really respond to that in a way that other documentaries haven't showcased that. Kim. Oh, yeah. I, I was just agreeing with, with, with Paige, you know, I think I, 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 we wanted to show, I guess, how the fans have impacted them because the movies and their roles in the movies have impacted the fans so much. We wanted to kind of play on the that kind of relationship there. Um, but as Paige said, we don't heavily feature the stars because, you know, there's already a documentary about that. And we, we really wanted to not pull focus away from the fans because this is, you know, by the fans for the fans, right? So, <laughs> hey, I um, heard that tagline before with our show. I don't know. Go ahead. <laughs> So, but yeah, it's, you know, it's a very common, common theme. Um, And, you know, and there were definitely interviews that we we wanted to get or we couldn't get because of COVID restrictions, you know, or what have you. Um, But when we, like I said, when when we went back and reviewed the footage, we kind of looked like we don't, we don't need it. We don't need that the stars because this isn't from their perspective. So Um, But everybody we spoke with was amazing. Everybody, I mean, I can't think of one person, you know, who came to us and and said, you know, anything negative, Um, not even on film, but I I had a chance to meet Alice Cooper, get him to sign my little Freddie poster. And I brought it up to him. He's like, oh, that's so cool. You know, like, I mean, it was very much excitement across the board from everybody involved. So 
that gave us hope. (laughs) Well, don't want to spoil too much of the documentary. So I will wrap with this. Well, there's two things I want to wrap with. And first being, when did you guys first connect with the franchise? And what, yeah, when did you first connect with the franchise? And what would you say your favorite installment is? Um, so I was five years old and my dad. Oh, so you were corrupt like me, little, yeah. little tyke, you know. Yeah, I'm. my dad uh, sat me in front of HBO and Dream Warriors came on and that was it. And uh, <laughs> from there, I was hooked and addicted. Uh, my favorite in the entire series has to be West Raven's Street Nightmare. Brilliant! It's just the most brilliant of all the all the films. I I my favorite of the Freddy films would have to be Dream Warriors, but as a compassing series as a whole, it would be West Craven's New Nightmare. Kim, yeah. So I was at a slumber party, and I think it was USA's Up All Night, <laughs> and they showed uh, Freddy Part Two. Um, so that was my introduction. Of course, I knew who Freddie was, but I was not allowed to watch those films. So, of course, being at the slumber party, I was totally all in. And it captivated me, terrified me. I loved it. There was so from that point, I I delved into it. You know, I had to watch them, had to rent them, had to see them anywhere I could, um, mostly at slumber parties <laughs> away from my my parents' house. But um my my favorite out of all of them is is by far Dream Warriors. Um, I love everything about it. The, the the deaths are great. The kids, you know, are great. The psychology behind it, you know, Nancy returning and helping them. Everything about it, I just love, including the music. So, <laughs> and as uh, Ira always says, he loves uh, Dream Warriors, the song. So, yeah, How can you not? Which I'm sure you two have heard it, but I like, I like, yes, I love sharing uh, the acoustic version of that. Nice. Oh, if, yeah. if, if you've ever heard it, I'm like, pages right, yeah, pages right away. Oh, yeah. But there's an acoustic <laughs> version that I like, and I actually started doing myself, you know, just to mess around. It's one of those ones I do on an acoustic guitar. So nice. But, uh, since we're talking conventions as well, I want to throw this in as well. Who has been your favorite Nightmare star you've met? Oh, I don't know if I can say that. That's like picking your favorite child. Um. <laughs> don't, don't, don't worry. I promise I won't. Nobody, nobody will hear. I won't call any of them. It's all right. Well, no, uh, no, no, I'll, I'll give, I'll give Paige some time to think. So like I said, every Nightmare person I've met, across the board hands down has been wonderful but for me personally it's definitely heather um you know she has been there for me and Paige, you know deandra all of us in our own ways in ways that i think go above and beyond Mm -hmm. uh, what most i guess you know nightmare celebrities or celebrities or in general would do um i mean even we, we got a chance to go to her studio when we went out to LA and she gave us a lot of advice, even just for Fred heads and pointed us in the right direction. And she kind of was always been almost like a motherly type figure to all of us. So I'd have to, I'd have to say Heather's probably my, my favorite. 
No offense to everybody else, because I love you all. <laughs> I have to, I feel, I mean, obviously, like, to me, I feel like the fallback is for me to say Heather as well, too. There's a lot of stuff that, like, I didn't talk about or go into in the documentary. Um, like, uh, 10 years ago, I had a really bad, like, health scare. It was a whole huge thing. Um, and I, like, almost died on the operating table. It was, like, a whole thing. And afterwards, um, Heather was, like, really there for me. And, like, some things, like, she like gave me like the best advice on things to like talk to like my doctors about. Um, she was constantly like checking up on me, like making sure like things were like, okay. It, it felt like great to like have, you know, your hero that you grow up with, like see you on a human level in a way. Mm -hmm. And, and I, but I have to pair it with Kim, Kim says like every interaction with all of the stars are just, they're just amazing. I, I am very fortunate that now I can call some of them friend and mm -hmm. I, I really respect and honor and treasure that friendship and really respect and honor all of them. And there, I feel like there's like not one bad one in the bunch essentially, mm -hmm. you know, I, everyone is just really great and they themselves know the fandom they themselves know the genre they themselves know the community and i think that's what makes them stand out above other people and other celebrities and other you know horror stars because they're they're just as captain as the fans are and we love them for it yeah i will say at this point it was nice briefly to talk to heather one time passing through at a convention i wish I had a chance to go more in depth with that conversation, but I don't want to put it publicly out there, but it's due to something with me that she dealt with firsthand. I'll leave it at that. When I turn off the record button, I'll tell you guys more in depth. So, yeah, but it's awesome to hear this story. Ooh, I heard that from here. Sorry. I didn't mean no, no, it's all good, but uh, I, I usually do the same thing. So we're good but i'm gonna say make this a question that you guys asked throughout the documentary and reverse it on you guys for at least here to entice a little bit for people to check this out which you know before i ask that final question is this going to be on dvd and blu-ray what's the game plan for this after horror hound Page. <laughs> So we unfortunately cannot say anything legally about what is happening. Um, Fair enough. I think we have exciting news coming soon. So stay tuned to like our Facebook and our website and stuff because we have some some news coming soon. So, and folks, they call that a tease, but I will have links <laughs> to all those links with all or all outlets of this. But the final wrap up question with this. And I know this was a running theme throughout the documentary, obviously. So what makes each one of you a Fredhead and what does the franchise mean to you? What makes me, what makes me a Fredhead? Um, I'm obsessed with A Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> like, I don't know how else to say it. A Nightmare on Elm Street saved my life. It gave me... I feel like the best life that I have ever had. And I wouldn't be who I am 
or where I am if it wasn't for this franchise, in particular, Nancy Thompson. And I, at times, this franchise and these characters were my best friends. And it really, truly led me to the life that I have. I wouldn't have met my best friend, Kim. I wouldn't have met Deandra, my best friend. I wouldn't have met Anthony. I wouldn't have met all these people. And then I wouldn't have met my husband. And I really think that this franchise has had probably the biggest impact of anything in my life. And so that's why I'm a friend and that's what it means to me. Sorry, I had a Fredhead text and I was trying to respond, but I could, you know. You're good. Uh, Kim? Um, yeah, so, I mean, for me personally, I'm, I'm a huge horror fan. I love all horror movies, most all the franchises. Um, but the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise stands out to me. It, it's it's something special. It's something a little bit more. And I've recognized that over the years of my horror watching. And, you know, it kind of goes into what Paige said. It, it changed my life because I always had a love for horror, but it was because of my love for Freddy Krueger and Robert England and these movies that drew me to go to a convention. You know, my first convention it was because I was going to get the chance to meet Freddy Krueger. Are you kidding me? Of course I want to meet Freddy Krueger. Who doesn't want to meet Freddy Krueger? So, <laughs> and that in turn, you know, I met Jeremy who became one of my closest friends and, you know, it's just, it's spawned into something. Um, it definitely in a sense, you know, changed my life, saved my life, however you want to word it. Um, but I just, you know, there's just something so, charismatic about this character who's so dark and evil but yet he can bring so many people together and so many people can find strength from that and I think that is what the most important thing to take away from the franchise is and I know this is a double-edged sword here when I say this and we kind of had an experience with it and this is final, final question. But you mentioned Robert there. And Robert obviously carved out a iconic role, which he's got a documentary coming out soon. Uh, Gary Smart and that crew, which yep, I'm I looking forward to seeing as well. But we kind of had a remake in 2010, which is hit or miss for many fans and true fed heads and robert has made statements publicly about doing a role again and all that stuff true fred heads know that story but can anybody else really do that role if they were to revisit the franchise yes i think with the right script i i think that it can i seen and just even in particular in fan films the the acting in fan films like the uh kruger tales from elm street or confessions of fred kruger or even ours don't fall asleep um there are different aspects of what freddie is and i think that an actor who is given the right script and media to make the the film the the issues with the 2010 film 
I feel like you can go on and on with them, but the issues of the Chaz and Femme film was not the actor. It was the actual film itself. It was the writing. It was the production. It was all of that stuff. And so I think if somebody was given a really great script or like a prequel, like the Springwood Slasher, which everyone talks about wanting to do, I think for sure they could fill the role of Freddy Krueger. I think they have to do it smartly. You know, I think that it can't just be, let's throw him in with some CGI makeup and parrot what the what worked in the original film because clearly it doesn't work for a remake or a reboot. And I think a lot of, I think that's why a lot of people in Hollywood don't necessarily know what to do with the Elm Street franchise because the big reboot failed. You know, it was, it was a box office success, but with fans, it was like panned. It was horrible and fans don't want to support it. And I think that's, that's why we've stalled on getting another Nightmare franchise, you know, film or, or a reboot or a sequel or a prequel or something is because they don't know what to do. And I wish that they would come to fans and, and filmmakers who are, who are fans and say, what, what is it that you would do with the genre? Because I already know who I would cast as Freddy, you know, to Kevin Bacon. <laughs> no, I, Kevin Bacon's too old. I would do uh, Jeremy Allen White from Shameless. And he uh, recently was in The Bear, but I've been saying this before The Bear and The Bear is amazing. But I've been saying he's one of the most underrated actors and he could for sure take on this role. And he looks like a young Robert. Like he, if you look at him and his facial features, he could pull off a young Robert and then they need to have, you know, Robert narrate it as Freddie, you know, telling his story in the Springwood Slasher. And I just think that like, another actor could for sure take on that role if they were given the right medium. And I know in my past in conversations with Robert and Nancy and Nancy being Nancy England, not yeah. Nancy Thompson. Because yeah. Yeah, I, I know Robert jokes about that all the time, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I figured I clear. I think he would approve of that and give that blessing to mm-hmm. tell that story is like the way Paige just presented it. So Absolutely. it would, but Kim, do you have an opinion on that? I agree wholeheartedly with Paige. This is actually something we've discussed. We've even mm. have brought out ideas to write something ourselves. <laughs> we have a pitch. <laughs> yeah, we have, we have some ideas going on, but, uh, but no, I agree with her 100%, you know, and I, I, I'm one of those fans. I couldn't even get through the remake. I think I got through the first 10 minutes. It's like, I can't do it. And it wasn't because of the, the acting at all. It was because of the script. It was because of what they were trying to do. I felt it was, let's just make a bunch of money off of this franchise that we know can make money. And it was very disappointing for a lot of people. And um, it's just something I struggled with even to this day, we've even, we've even done interviews. Somebody asked us about, I'm like, what, there's a remake, huh? You know, just mm-hmm. <laughs> happen. So yeah, I think he did it smart. They most definitely could pull it off. And I would love to hear, have Robert be a narrator because he has such an enchanting voice. Yes, he's got that. And I will say this, and this ain't about my opinion or not, because we're talking Fred Heads, the documentary, but Early on the COVID, let's just say I may have saw a pitch from an overseas writer that was very interesting. And I don't know where they're at with it because I know they were trying to go through that chain 
of command to say, hey, because at the time there was the announcement that Wes's uh, family had or the estate had gotten hit the rights back. Yeah, kind of the, the rights. Yeah, kind of what you heard with the, what's been going on with Friday the 13th, that kind of thing. But anyway, this person, and I don't want to say names because they're trying to do it legit, go through the process and all. It was a interesting concept to take. And it, yeah, I, I don't want to say no more because I don't want to spoil anything in case something happens. I'll let that person speak on that. It was quite interesting. So what's next for you guys as we wrap here? Besides, uh, the, our, besides our hound, obviously. <laughs> um, we were kind of uh, playing it by ear. We have some things that we can't legally talk about yet, which we're excited about that we can hint at. Um, but as far as like what's next with Fred Heads after that, that we're, we're just excited for our premiere. And after that, we're hoping to maybe show it at some other festivals, maybe show it at some, um, other conventions. If people are interested in like screening it, we are a hundred percent on board with, with that. So we're just kind of exploring some options. Right on. Well, Kim Page, thank you so much. Thank you. annoyingly even keel? E-methamine could be right for you. I have a disease, alright? I need help! E-methamine lets you get gagged up on whoop chicken parts without yellowing one's teeth. Oh, yeah. Contact your doctor today if you experience the following. Oh my god! Increases in blood flow, boost in testosterone, ending of erectile dysfunction. You're naughty! This medicine is made for extreme cases of being or have an extreme depression. Oh, come on! Side effects include fits of rage, acne, bleeding in folks around you, whooping cough, hallucinations, comas, trouble swallowing, decrease in semen, increasing amounts of selling yourself, amnesia, night terrors, higher mortgage rates, and increased sensations in not having suicidal urges. Oh my. This is Amanda Wist, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio.